Welcome to the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. I'm your host, Dave Quedal. Thanks for tuning in to the show. It's a special edition as we've got some breaking news to attend to. For the first time since 1988 and just the 11th time since 1898, Kirkwood and Webster Groves will not play one another. The rival schools announced Friday afternoon their annual Turkey Day game will not take place this season due to COVID-19 concerns within both programs. To give us some perspective on what this game and rivalry mean, Webster Groves graduate and post-dispatch all-metro defensive football player of the decade, Jason Meehan's going to drop by. Jason took his talents to Northern Illinois University and is currently a public defender in Milwaukee. Later, I'm going to catch up with Fox head coach Brent Tinker, whose team won its first district championship in school history and 10 games in a season for the first time ever, albeit not in the way he hoped it would. As always, Paul Coxie is going to give us all the scores and highlight performances, and we'll check in with our intrepid reporters who are out covering games. We'll definitely talk to Smet and Francis Howell with Joe Harris, and Luther St. Charles and Duchenne with Ben Vessa. Our main man, Greg Upton, is out sick this week. Get better, my friend. All that and more is coming up right here on the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. I'm now joined by Jason Meehan, a Webster Groves graduate, a former football player for the Statesman, basketball player, and currently an attorney in Milwaukee. Jason, thanks for joining the show. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So the reason we had you on is today, Friday the 13th of all days, uh, Kirkwood and Webster Groves, well, excuse me, for you, Webster and Kirkwood announced that, <laughs> thank you. that the Turkey Day game will not happen this year. It's the 11th time ever ever that the two teams won't play they've been playing since 1898 it's the longest running rivalry west of the mississippi in the country and it i'm just curious like for a guy who played in a a couple of turkey day games and was part of the rivalry can you wrap your mind around the idea that there's not going to be a turkey day game this year no it's i i I, like i said I, i can't imagine it Honestly, it's like a, it's a holiday in, in Webster and Kirkwood, you know, the Turkey Day game, that's our homecoming. And I think that really signifies fall and, and community in that area. So I, I know it must be tough not, not to have that, especially for the, for the players as well. You know, it says you don't get this opportunity too much, especially if you're from Webster Groves. And, you know, unfortunately, we're going to miss out on that this year. But, of course, I understand why. <laughs> Well, you, you're in Milwaukee dealing with, uh, uh, like most of the Midwest, the coronavirus pandemic is is continuing to do what it does and disrupt life. What are some of the things you've had to do as an attorney to deal with the pandemic? I mean, well, first of all, right, I feel like as soon as, you know, the news got out right about March 13th, we were all working from home. You know, I mean, I took my whole practice from you know, office of 60 people into my um, one-bedroom apartment. You know, I had to buy a, a work table, and now it's like having a one-man office here. And so, and we do all of our court appearances by Zoom, all of the correspondence by email. Um, I meet with my clients by Zoom. You know, we go in front of the judge on Zoom every day. I mean, most every aspect of my practice and, and my work life has changed. And, yeah, and, and it's, you know, the virus is even... In the jails, you know, it's, it's affecting how I can meet with clients and, and speak to people. So it's it's a scary situation. So um, what were your memories of growing up with the Turkey Day game? Were you a guy who dreamed about playing in that game? Was it a big deal? Or, or did you arrive as a freshman like, oh, this is neat. How did that kind of go? Um, to, to be honest, I mean, because I'm a city kid, you know, so I grew up um, in South St. Louis, but... My like brother, like my extra neighbor Darion Wadley, he um, we grew up together. He got in Webster first, and then my mom, you know, sent me to Webster because you know she knew it was such a great school. Um, and so I followed after him, and he actually um, played in. I guess a couple years before me, but to be honest, I was the water boy in when I was in middle school. I used to water boy for like Adrian Claiborne and them's games. So I think I probably you know saw it and heard about it around then. I think. I remember Adrian Claiborne, you know, hurdling somebody. And, and so I think at, at that point, that's when I started having dreams of, you know, playing football in Moss Field on Thanksgiving. And what is it like when you come out for that game, like the, the, the week leading into it? Because it's not just the game. I mean, there's all kinds of community yeah. things going on. Um, there's rallies at the school the week leading into it. Yeah. What, is, what is the whole experience like from your perspective as a player? 
Um, to be honest, it's it's like a movie, you know, and I I look back on it and think, I mean, you just couldn't have had a better, you know, high school football experience, and especially in that atmosphere where you got two towns right next to each other that have, you know, such um, great sportsmanship and, you know, the rivalry runs so deep, you know, people's grandparents went to the same school as they went to it, you know, they got, you know, went out and did the bonfire and dressed up like the other school, you know, so it's really two huge, two um, small communities, you know, facing off in this historical battle. And um, so it, it was really great to be a part of that. But I, I mean, just so much fun. I think I remember like the whole week, it was like, a you know, before Turkey Day, obviously everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it. And, you know, you have like a different theme day in school for like Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And then, you know, the game's on Thursday and everybody in that whole area is going to be there. So it's, I mean, it was quite an experience. So part of what you were able to do at at Webster Groves was help the Statesmen win a state championship and finish as a runner-up, which means you didn't get to play in two Turkey Day games. How do you feel about it looking back when you you obviously had big things on the agenda, but did you miss out playing in those games while you were preparing to play in state, which would either be the Friday or Saturday after the Turkey Day game? Um, and it's funny you ask that because there are people who um, played before me and, you know, all due respect to them, you know, that felt that the, you know, Turkey Day game was more important than state, you know, and they felt like, you know, the team should always play Turkey Day and even if they're going to the state championship. Uh, I don't feel like I missed out on the reasons because, one, you know, my, my senior year we got to play against, I mean, it was, it was, I don't know, it was like the Turkey Day game on, on steroids. Because, you know, we, we meet to play each other in the semifinals, you know, in a brand new stadium and all, um, you know, winner goes to the state championship. I mean, I could not, I don't, and it's already on top of what, 100 and what is it, 110 year now rivalry. And now the winner, not only do you have bragging rights over the other team, unfortunately, we didn't exchange, I guess, yeah, I, I can't remember who had the bell then, but unfortunately, we didn't exchange the bell. I mean, we did, I don't know, but. Um, I think that was, I mean, I, I can't complain after that, you know, yeah, I missed the, I guess we didn't miss the turkey day game, actually, my senior year. We, we got the turkey day game, and we won it, and uh, unfortunately went on to lose the state championship, but, um, and, the, and the sophomore year, I mean, everyone wants to win, everyone wants to be the best team in the state, you know, nobody can ever take that away from you, and so, you know, even though it's great to, you know, beat up on your, <laughs> your next door neighbor, um, I think everyone relishes the chance to play in a historical state championship. You get rings and and all the bragging rights, I guess. So you you touched on it that the the statesmen and the pioneers played in the postseason. I I want to say it was the first time it had happened, but it certainly hadn't happened much. And and Webster got the better of the pioneers that day on their at their new facility, their beautiful field. And do you remember the it score? It was very nice day. It was a good few. <laughs> do you remember the score? Uh, was it 36 to 0? I, I think it was 28. Was it 28 to 0? Does that sound oh, about right? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, around there. So what yeah, was, I, I what, played defense, you know, so it was, it, I was making sure there, there weren't any points on the board. And I, but, I knew that. But you did score a touchdown that game. You caught a pass and took, I it, did. took it the way. Yeah, props to Marquise Clement. <laughs> so I was, well, like you said, it was on steroids. I, I have vague recollections of that crowd being enormous for the playoff game. Oh, my gosh. That, I mean, that was probably like the first college game. I mean, I guess you played in the state championship and there's a lot of people there, but I don't know if I've ever played in a high school game that was that live. I mean, I remember just, I mean, not only is it everything I we just talked, I think actually, I mean, the, the, the news was in the school, you know, and they're like getting people to, you know, not trash talk, but you know, egg the other team on. I mean, people were really, um, you know, anticipating this game. And so it was building up all week, the story of it. Um, especially in the semifinals anyway. And I just remember arriving and it was the largest crowd I have ever <laughs> seen at that time. I think they said it was like 13,000. And I mean, this is a high school football game. And so I just remember all of us, I mean, it's, you couldn't have asked for anything better. You know, nobody's nervous at that point. It's like you are getting to play the the team that you hate the most, you know, for all the, all the chips. 
So, I mean, it was magnificent. And I remember just coming out to the field. I mean, like I said, it was like a college game. I'm pretty, I, it had to have been sold out, I'm sure. Well, it um, certainly, it certainly was full. I don't know, I, I don't know how many people were there, but it was, it, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, that game had to be historic. And I mean, I, I'm not sure, you, did you know how many times that's happened that we played each other in the playoffs? It. It hasn't happened very much. Yeah. I, I do know that was the first time, I want to say, in a long time. But it happened shortly thereafter, a time or two, when Webster and Kirk were in the same class. A lot of what kept the two programs oh, yeah. from playing each other was Webster was generally about oh. class five. And then when Missouri introduced class six, Kirkwood moved up. I mean, it, Kirkwood has shifted in between five and six the last couple of years. But generally, Webster was five, Kirkwood was six, so you wouldn't see each other. But that year they did, and it was, as you said, that. it was nutty. I mean, and like I said, I, I could, you could not have asked for, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have written a better story than that, you know, that, um, you know, ending to the season and, and playing each other. So, no, no and turkey. That's a, that kind of goes back. What'd you Sorry, say? Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, just, and even talking about that is, you know, reminds me how unfortunate it is that, you know, kids aren't going to get to play that game this year. The the loss of a senior season for things that are well beyond your control. I mean, as a guy who grew up playing, what did senior year mean to you? I mean, was that always what you were building toward? Or or did it sneak up on you? A lot of guys tell me that, that freshman to senior year stretch goes real fast, and you don't think it will, but it jumps up on you. How did your experience go? I mean, it... Of course, you know, like time flies, you know, your life will pass you by, you know, everyone you look back, you know, wish you can go back and play high school football again. But I, I was, I, I don't think I could have been more fortunate to have, you know, played and went to school that Western Rose um, because we had I mean, the greatest coaches I could have asked for, you know, my freshman year, you know, playing basketball with Jay Blossom and, and Drew and in that team, you know, we won the state championship in basketball, you know, so that's how it started. And so we were also a good, Good start, I think. I mean, and even football before that, um, I was fortunate enough to start in linebacker as a as a freshman, and so I felt like it didn't just fly by. You know, it's like it was it was a long time, and I think we we enjoyed it. You know, we savored all the good times at Webster Groves. I think there was only, yeah, I guess maybe my sophomore year is the only year where okay, we didn't go to a championship. Um, we were kind of rebuilding basketball wise. And uh, football-wise, we were building up. You know, that was when my class and the class before mine um, were there. And we were kind of working together. And then after that, you know, junior junior year, going to the state championship and, and football and winning. And I'm sure we went to the playoffs and, and basketball. I don't know. I, I didn't – looking back on it, it, it flew by. But as it was going through, I, mean, I think we enjoyed every minute of it because every year brought something new. I mean, it was always fun all of our teams are competitive. And I do feel like I was fortunate enough to have been coached by the best coaches around. And I think that, you know, that is what we can attribute a lot of that past success to. So you, you mentioned junior year, you went to state and the Statesman won, but there was a pretty famous game that had to happen for that to happen. You, you were on the field for the miracle at Moss when the, uh, the Statesman managed to 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 pull victory from the jaws of defeat from Chaminade. What was it like playing in that game? Dave, it, it was written. It, it was supposed to be. You know, <laughs> it, it was our time. And there's, you know, you couldn't, <laughs> there's just no way around it. Um, but yes, you know, I mean, we, we did pull that one out. And all, all I can say, when you were saying now that I think earlier you, you made you mentioned that, you know, Webster Groves might not want to play turkey today. I was going to say, as a statesman, man, never say die. And on that day, man, I mean, it was a long game. It was just, and just, I mean, I guess not as wild probably as the turkey day game, but, you know, the tensions were just as high. I mean, it was it was a crazy, um, you know, packed game, and it was wild, and we were doing really well. And before you know it, you know, they were coming back, and, and you know, we went all the way down, and, you know, down by, I mean, I guess I forget how much we were down by, but, you know, with 6.9 seconds, I guess maybe down by four, and we needed a touchdown, and all you can say is, you know, you never said die, you know, that Derek Dilworth and Michi, 
they just they believed. And that was I remember I, I wasn't on the field for the actual throw. I was on for the you know the kickoff and the whole game. You know we're trying to keep Rob Standard under you know 100 yards or something like that. And you know I just remember coming off the field and taking a knee when I kicked it through, and I was like, you know what? We got one play. It can happen. It can happen. And I just remember seeing you know seeing the ball go up. Everybody's watching. And I mean I I couldn't see it be caught. But everybody in the whole stadium jumped up at the same time. And it was all, I mean, like, I'm not even sure what I saw, but it was just, we couldn't believe it. I mean, people, kids were crying on the sideline already. You know, some guys, you know, we had lost. You know, I remember thinking, wow, you know, we were this good. We worked this hard. If if you, I don't even know how you could win a state championship. If we don't deserve it this year. And I was down, but I, we, you know, those guys believed and we believed as a team and, and we won the game. I think Michi almost got like killed at the bottom of the pile. There's so many people in the crowd jumped on top of him. And I think we had like a dance after that. You know what? We had oh yeah, never mind. That was that was yeah, it was a Kirkwood dance, but Oh no. Not yeah, yeah we have like our homecoming dance together. It's wild. So you mentioned freshman year, you were part of the state championship basketball team. Senior year, you were part of a memorable district championship game, again with Chaminade and uh, Bradley Beal were the statesmen and led by Sean Simmons and the uh, Red Devils led by Brad and Tevin Evans in uh, just a classic game over at Roberts Gym. Yeah, that was, that was the last basketball game I ever played in. <laughs> um, the only thing I will say is I still believe that I took a, I took a phenomenal charge on Brad Beal in the fifth, I mean, excuse me, in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> he had four fouls, and I guess I had four, too. Um, and I, they gave it to me, they called me block. That was it. <laughs> and so I didn't play the very end. And, I mean, it came down to the end. But I will say, what I remember about that game is starting off the game, I mean, obviously the gym, this is basketball, too, you know, and, and Brad Beal's playing. So, I mean, the gym is on fire, you know, between – fans and the Worcester Groves fans all cramped in, in the Roberts gym. But um, I just remember when the game started, back to back to back threes by, by Brad Beal. I mean, he hit three threes in a row. I think we probably went down nine to zero. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess I don't belong in the NBA. But, <laughs> you know, it, we're, we're Worcester Groves. We fought back and, you know, it, was, it really was a great game. I think I know it came down to the last last few um, baskets, and unfortunately, you know, I'm sure um, Brad Beale had a, had a big part in, in them coming back to win it in the end. But he should have had five, five fouls. <laughs> Spoken as a and, true statesman. <laughs> and I think that yeah, I mean, but it, it was can I say this? But it, it was a hell of a game. I mean, it was it was hard fought, and you're right. I, I still remember it <laughs> vividly. Amazing. Jason Meehan, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your perspective on Turkey Day and being a Webster Grove statesman, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like I said, I appreciate it, and I do hope all is well with you and the family. Thanks so much to Jason Meehan for joining the show on short notice on what has been a crazy Friday the 13th. Up next, Fox coach Brent Tinker talks about the challenge of turning around a football program, what a district title and 10 wins mean, and how this season has made him more grateful than ever. I'm now joined by Fox football coach Brent Tinker, who has the, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, you have a free Friday night because your team um, won the district championship by forfeit. Lindbergh was unable to play this weekend, so Fox wins its first district championship in school history and, and its 10th win, and we talked about it earlier in this week for the notebook coach, but... What's it like achieving these milestones and not having to take the field? Uh, it's definitely one of those, uh, I think we discussed earlier, it's, uh, it's maybe bittersweet, a little bit more bitter right now, but uh, it's one of those things where we still want to we, we be proud of the accomplishments, but there's no, there's no question. We would have much rather been able to play the game and you know, hopefully have the outcome that we would have wanted and uh, accomplish those on the field. So, you know, we're going to celebrate. We're going to be proud of the kids. Um, but we'll be honest, too. We'd have rather played the game. Uh, not much you can do about it right now, though. So, like, 
you know, like what's it like on a Friday night tonight? Well, we're going to have to take every week to get better. I've been trying to kind of stay consistently on message about that. We have to get better every week. So we are able to kind of get healthy again and get refocused again and hopefully come out of it ready to play uh, some of our best competition yet. Well, I was going to say uh, Fox will take on the winner of tonight's Class 6 District 2 championship, which is defending champ DeSmet and Francis Howell in a rematch from last year. Two very powerful programs. What's it like preparing for both of them? Have you done any pre-prep, or are you waiting to see how tonight shakes out? Well, I'll tell you what. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the ability of both programs. So the honest answer is we have not done a, a big dig into either school yet. Uh, we've really kind of focused on some errors we've seen in our own game, mm. and we've focused on some injuries we've been kind of taken care of um, and just fundamentals this week. Uh, I, th- I, I really re- do respect both of these programs too much to count any of them out. So uh, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way and just really focus on us this week and then lock in Sunday night and get to know whoever wins this game. So, And what's it like just this year? Because this is the second game your team hasn't been able to find, well, not find an opponent, but have an opponent. Yeah. During the regular season, you were able to patch together games uh, with the likes of Borgia, St. Dominic, yeah. because uh, being a member of the Suburban Conference in Jefferson County, you weren't subject to the restrictions St. Louis County put on its programs, which is the vast majority of the Suburban Conference. Yet Fox managed to find a way to get games, and you missed one week. So what yeah. what was it like this season not knowing – how it would go when you got to Friday, even if you'd be playing the team on Friday, you thought you might play uh, the previous Sunday. You know, if you would have, uh, if you would have offered us what we've been able to get out of this season at the beginning of the year, everybody would have to have been absolutely say, say yes to that. Hmm. Uh, Coming into this year with the uncertainty we're we were in a blessed situation in some respects being, under Jefferson County guidelines, we were able to kind of piece together some St. Charles schools and some, some other schools to get to play. Um, and it's been hectic this year. It's been, it's been rewarding, but it's been a very mentally exhausting year. You know, just trying to do the little bit of the extra things to have a schedule and to do the best we can to control our numbers and control our roster. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been different for sure. Um, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been, it's been a lot mentally, uh, but like I think I've said this before to you, I just feel like after all that is said and done, with whatever, with what all we've gotten so far, and it being so much more than other people have been able to get, mm. it's just really hard to complain in our spot right now, just because we have had it a little bit better than other people. So, uh, it, it, yeah, it's been tough and it's been different. But to see what other people have had to go through especially our friends from Illinois not even getting to play, mm-hmm. it sure kind of puts me in a position where I can't do much but be grateful for what we've gotten so far. And there were some hiccups along the way. I know the restrictions that Jefferson County put in place that altered where you and Jack, your team and Jackson play. Jackson, the, the uh, Class 5 powerhouse, a, a team your, your group knows very yeah. well, was scheduled to come into Arnold to play your guys. That game got moved to Jackson. So what what was it like kind of adjusting to that on the fly? Because that's a tough well, place a, to play. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, tr- I have to try to be fair. Obviously, I look at things from a very uh, hour-centered universe, you know, with a, very, <laughs> with, with a little tunnel, tunnel vision, you know. And it, it was frustrating because I, I would have liked to have seen a, uh, us host that game. And uh, just with the restrictions we were underneath at that point, that would have given them uh, no fans at the game. And, you know, it just ended up being the, the right thing to do to go ahead and go down to Jackson and play, which I obviously really wanted to host, but it is what it is. I know you've been down there. I love playing at Jackson. That's one of the best venues in the state, in my opinion. Um, and I, you know, the only thing I don't like about playing at Jackson is how small the visiting sideline is. But other than that, it's a beautiful place to play football and, uh, yeah, it, it, I would have rather been at home, but if you got to go somewhere, that's a pretty darn nice place to play. Yeah, the pit is nice, and and they're, the Indian fans show up and, and support their team. That's a really nice place to play, and a heck of a home field advantage uh, for, for Jackson. 
So yeah. you you don't have to go through Jackson this year. Fox moved into yeah. Class Six, which I, I'd imagine is a good thing to not have to see a really good Jackson team. What's it like being a Class Six team uh, this time of year? Is this a big deal, or you just you get to play where whoever they put in front of you? Yeah, that's it. Kind of that's going to fall underneath uh, just some more of those things that we don't get to control. We've been Class Six. We floated back and forth between Class Six and Class Five for quite a while now actually um and you know probably better than everyone that uh the best team in the state isn't always class five it isn't always class six you never know where they're going to come from so uh you look at class five and you know the the one thing you can say is there's 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 less teams in class six so you know there's a benefit of being class six you know uh web city jackson i think jackson's uh web city's playing carthage tonight uh, for Zumalt North, and and I think I've told you this before, I have about as much respect for what they've done as anybody. They've just become outstanding up there. Very so there, there's no there, – <laughs> once you get this far in the playoffs, like whether it's Francis Howell or Dismet, you're going to play somebody pretty darn elite either way. So, you know, for us this year being Class 6, um, actually I think being able to play Jackson in the middle of the year, because every time we play them we learn something and we get forced to get better – it forces growth with us. Being able to play them and then be able to kind of grow through that game and keep moving forward has really helped us. But uh, class five or class six, you pay real good attention to, to high school football. So, you know, uh, there's no guarantee that the class six team can beat the class five team in any given year. It's just the the talent is so high in St. Louis right now and in Missouri that you're going to have to beat a great team no matter where you're at. So I'd assume that applies to your guys as well because you are in a Class 6 semifinal, one yes, game sir. away from the championship. What is that like for, for your your team to be in this position? Because it's it's been a while since the Warriors were able to put together a playoff run. We talked about it last week or earlier this week um, yeah. that 2008 – 2009 was when the state had two teams from each district make it into Mm -hmm. the postseason bracket and both of those years oakville won the district fox was the second team to get in so didn't technically win a district championship which is why this year is the program's first what's it like for fox to be in this position because there was a time when it wasn't anywhere close to this well i think that uh we talked about that a little while ago it is a it is a process. It's building. You know that goes all the way back to, uh, you know, it goes further back than I've even uh, been around. Obviously, because you go back to when Coach Giannino was the head coach and all those guys. Uh, that and I know those kids really well. You know, you look back at the Richard Galbeers, the Anthony Saputo is one of the best players I've ever coached. Hmm. Uh, Cody Long, just I could list so many of those boys that are just wonderful kids. They were really the first group in the modern era, anyway, to really turn and start moving us into a position of power. And then in 08 and 09, they made the semifinal run in 08. We lost to a very good Hazelwood central team. Uh, and then 09, we were not eight. We went to the quarterfinals, but uh, then it, it, we did drop back a little bit, but over the last decade, there's been so many kids that have helped us to keep getting better that uh, it's just rewarding. You know, I, I, we actually had a team meal this morning um, to find kind of like our game day activity and we were able to give the plaque to the boys, just you know, not ha- not how we planned it, sure. but uh, it w- it was a good moment. We kind of had a little bit of time to talk about the past and the future. You know, I would like to think that the old warriors from the past 50, 60 years are all rooting for us, and I believe that they are. There's some really great guys out here from this school, and I'd, I'd love to see the alumni association continue to grow. But also our current kids, I want them to appreciate it and embrace it. You know, uh, I want to I want to get the maximum enjoyment out of every day that we can, and I want to play the very best game that we could possibly play. And if somebody beats us, we can live with that as long as we know we played our best. But uh, we're, we're we've gone this far, so we've all agreed that we might as well try to win the darn thing. And I've said that a few times, but it's kind of funny. Like we've hey, once you got to the final four, you might as well keep trying to, to keep trying to scrape and win. So uh, it's been it's been a really awesome opportunity for the kids. Probably something they'll be able to enjoy and look back on later, maybe even a little bit more than right now. Right now, I think we're really focused on the the day-to-day desire to get better, and we'll see how far it can take us. But, yeah, you're right. It's a, a special time, 
and probably something they won't fully appreciate until they're sitting around someday as old men telling everybody how good they used to be. <laughs> and they look at those guys now and go, yeah, right. But there will yeah. come a time when yeah. they will. So I, I'm curious the process for for helping to, to build that kind of foundation. I mean, taking any high school athletic program from from where Fox was, which was winless seasons, one win seasons, it, it's really hard to do at, at, for all sports, but football in particular, because it requires so much effort because winning football games is hard, but you can't win in the fall if you're not doing winter weights, if you're not doing yeah. activities in the spring, if you're not crushing it in the summer. Like, sure. the, How do you get that buy-in with the promise that if you work yourself every day and work to get better every day, there will be a payoff. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be this year. You might be a freshman. You might not see it till you're a senior. Yeah. What is it like trying to, to, to convince these young men it is worth their time and effort to give that much of themselves? We've got a couple old principles at our building that I have to, I have to say that we were randomly talking about actually alternative school stuff one time. And really every single thing we do in education and every single thing we do athletically, academically, it always comes down to uh, finding that balance between grace and accountability. And that is everything on how you apply grace to some kids, accountability to some kids, how you apply that and how you balance that, I really believe is, is just about everything on how you grow a person or how you grow a program or how you grow a school. Um, there's going to be times that they need forgiven for things they don't deserve forgiveness for. And there's going to be times they need to be held accountable for their actions. And it is a constant communication, uh, including the counselors, including the administration, obviously including our great assistant coaches, including the community when you can. But I, I know that, I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but I think that when I look back on, on how the program grows and, and how we've done I hope it's because we're treating people better. I hope it's because we're, we're becoming better young men. And we, we want to believe that as you continue to build your moral character, your faith, your family, your, your foundation of who you are as a person, we want to believe that that carries directly over into how you perform. And, you know, it's like all the great coaches say, you know, Mike Krzyzewski, I read his book years ago, and he said that no matter what happens, he can, you can never let an outside force determine what is success for you. I think that's the same thing that like we've been stealing from Dabo Sweeney recently on the best is the standard. It's not winning. Winning is not the standard because you can win and be empty. Sure. But the whole idea is how can we, how can we maximize who we are? How can we max out who we are as human beings? And I think just the consistent, the consistency of our coaching staff, uh, you know, you said this earlier, I think I should say this. Um, you, we, in our, in our industry are expected to support our, our kids in, in multiple sports. And there's going to be so many times where I think we lose kids because that when you make kids choose. Sure. I think the best thing that Fox has done for us right now is they have really helped us with our weight training class during the school day. It is so easy to support multiple sports when our guidance counselors and when our, our principal and our athletic director help us to, to get the kids in the weight training class during the day. And I really, I, I really believe that was actually a big part of it. We've, we've gotten more help from administration and counseling than I think maybe some people do. So I should give a lot of credit to them people too. And especially with the way you play football, your guys are, 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 are a very run-heavy team, shall we say. Uh, yeah. How many times have you thrown the ball in a game this year? I mean, or is it more than I, 10? Have you, try, have you attempted we, 10 passes in a game yet? I think we probably th attempted 10 passes earlier. Um, and, you know, that's the thing, too. It's like the reason why we do what we do, I do believe it fits our personnel right now because we have some great kids, but I don't think we're going to out-athlete the best teams in the state ever, you know. Uh, and also, it's just kind of what I know how to do. And, and you know, some people, <laughs> uh, I, I, like, if, if you look even back to whenever uh, Coach Giannino was head coach, they ran a, a, they ran a lot of power but we, they did it from a lot of spread formations. Uh, I, I, this is the brand of football that I learned from, 
from uh, my good buddy Brian Robbins out at St. Clair. He was able to take me under his wing and teach me a little bit early on in, in my career. Uh, it's really what we know how to do. And I think in this situation, it really does fit our kids. Uh, we like to think that physical strength is the one area we can close the gap on other teams. So it's very important to us. We've, we've networked with our good, we got a good friend named Mick Kennedy. He runs a mixed gym over in Fenton. And it, just, we've kind of continued to build our network of good people to help us. And uh, I, I think that's a, I think that's, that, that has been a big part of it for us is just knowing, having an identity, not wavering from the identity. And now you got, I think you're starting to see some of the fruits of that labor. Yes. When, when, when you see the success show up, I'd imagine that just reinforces that it, all that work, the weight training, the the summer work, the spring work, whatever it may be is all worth it when the results show up either on the scoreboard, on the field, or just in those small steps you take each year. Because, yeah. I mean, you guys were 8-3 and three last year, 9-2 and two the year before. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, too. I think you, you always want to build them up, but I think constantly being realistic. We're not that far removed from our 1-8 and eight seasons. You know, it, it could go back there really fast if we, if we stop doing the things that have gotten us where we're at. So we can never get haughty, we can never get cocky, we can never get lazy because every day is going to constantly be a grind. And, you know, I joke with them all the time. Listen, guys, if I was way smarter or if you were way, way better, maybe we wouldn't have to work this hard. But, you know, Gary, <laughs> what is it? Uh, Nick Saban has not called me about you and he hasn't called me, offered me a job yet either. So I guess hard work's our only choice still. So, you know, I, I think that uh, our staff and our kids and our philosophy – have just kind of all the stars have aligned right now mm-hmm. and we have a pretty good thing going right now, but it's, it, it could turn on a dime. So we got to stay passionate and stay hungry and stay humble. You know, it, it doesn't, it, it's been a lot of work to try to get better, but we know for a fact it could turn on us if we don't keep moving forward. Well said Fox football coach, Brent Tinker. Thank you so much for joining us on the STL high school sports.com Friday night football show, man. Best of luck next week. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Fox coach Brent Tinker for joining the show. Paul Kopsky's up next with the scoreboard. Before we get to him, allow me to tell you about all the great content we have at stlhighschoolsports.com. This week, the boys' soccer Final Four was hashed out. Our man Jim Fossen was all over it with stories and profiles. We previewed every single district championship football game this weekend, and we had a spotlight story on Fort Zumwalt South, which went from 0-10 last year to playing in a district final this year. Wednesday was National Signing Day for everyone but football players, and we had you covered from baseball to basketball to track and field. Stick with us as we head into winter, as basketball will get going in Missouri. Paul Kopsky's up next, right after this break. And now, Paul Kopsky with the scoreboard. All right, thank you, Dave. It's district championship night around the state of Missouri, and Fort Zumwalt North wins its seventh straight district title, 52-3 over Fort Zumwalt South. Chris Futel rushed for two TDs and had two and a half sacks and a fumble recovery on defense. Fort Zumwalt North coach Joe Bacon. Well, so we played South a few weeks ago. It was a real close game all the way down to the end. and We had a couple guys back on laps night that we didn't have the first time, but the bigger deal was we executed a whole lot better and just more focused and doing our jobs better. And so that was a big deal for us to be able to take that step and be playing better football as we head into, head into the beat of the playoffs. Elsewhere, DeSmet moves on with a 28-7 to win over Francis Howell. Rico Barfield, three touchdown runs. It was Chaminade rolling past Parkway West, 57-14. to Amar Johnson rushed for 198 yards and three touchdowns. Festus advances with a 27-6 win over North County. Festus quarterback Cole Rickerman passed for 184 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Cardinal Ritter, a big winner over St. Clair, 53-13. T.J. Atkins, three TD passes. It was Lutheran North beating Borgia handily, 45-10. Brian Brown, three touchdown passes. Jalen Carson, three touchdown runs for Lutheran North. Jefferson over New Madrid County Central, 42 to 20. Colby Ott 
had four TD runs and a TD catch. Duchenne ends Lutheran St. Charles season 16 to 13 and battle upended Washington 27 to 7. And that's a look at the STL High School Sports Scoreboard. Thanks again to Paul Kopsky for giving us all the scores and highlight performances on a chilly district championship Friday night. Up next, Joe Harris and I are going to go deep on DeSmet and Francis Howell, and then Ben Vess is going to wrap up the show by talking about Duchenne's thrilling come-from-behind win over Lutheran St. Charles. I'm now joined by Joe Harris, who was out at DeSmet watching Francis Howell and the Spartans in their Class 6 District 2 championship game Friday night. Uh, the, the Spartans continue to roll on, and a pretty impressive performance by the defending Class 6 champs, Joe. What was happening out in Creve Corps? Well, you know, for the first half, we were wondering what was going on. Um, a mistake-filled first half by both teams, uh, seven total turnovers uh, in the first half, and the Spartans only led 7 nothing at the break. Um, then, you know, as the defending Class 6 champions – you know, they, they didn't panic. They stuck to the, the, the script. They stuck to the game plan. And they stopped, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak. And they got Rico Barfield going. And, you know, once you get that that guy going, uh, you're going to put up some points. And he scored three touchdowns. And they started rolling. And, and that defense was solid all night, uh, you know, led by uh, Wingo, and he was just living in the backfield of, of Francis Howell, and they uh, turned the Spartans over four times. I'm sorry, they turned the Vikings over four times, and uh, the, you know Howell didn't score. And that, this is a great Howell offense. I, I saw him put up a bunch of points earlier this this season. Uh, they didn't score until a minute and a half left in the game, and uh, you know it, it, it was a it, it was for the first half. It was just a you know who was going to make the the most mistakes or the less you know the, fewest. the least amount of mistakes. Yeah, yeah fewest. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm still trying to thaw out. You know, I'm not used to this cold weather. So it was the first real chilly, chilly night of the season. It really was, and you know I I, I wondered you know obviously you're I you can appreciate this you're in, in deadline mode and then you're. You're worried about making sure you have all the kids' names spelled right and that kind of thing. But as I as I was driving home, I'm like you know that. I, and one thing, like you you hear the crowd and stuff, and a lot of the the, the cement crowd, like we're only up seven nothing. We haven't you know we can't remember the last time we only scored seven points in the first half. What's going on? And maybe a couple different factors here. It is the first real cold night of the year, but also. They only played two regular season games. They're only five and zero, and we—they're the district champions. So, you know, this is just such a strange season, and a lot of these teams are still working things out. And we are almost done with the playoffs. It's crazy, and but you could see, you know, that Desmet offense, and as you know very well from covering the Spartans, you know, once they get clicking, they are almost impossible to stop with all the weapons they've got. I haven't even mentioned um, the, the quarterback, Seth Marcion and, you know, Taj Butts, who had a big game too. Um, you know, Seth completed seven of seven pat seven straight passes during a third quarter flurry when they scored on two consecutive drives, both capped off by big bar field runs. Mm-hmm. And, that's what really was the difference in the game. All of a sudden, a seven nothing game turned into a twenty one nothing game, and then um, Marcioni, you know, with the dagger in the fourth quarter, a monster forty one yard touchdown run where he broke several tackles, made a couple nice cuts at midfield, and and drug a couple more defenders for good measure into the end zone with him. Well, you'd mentioned they'd played two regular season games. They've now played three playoff games. They are 5-0 and and will advance to play Fox in a Class 6 uh, semifinal next weekend. They will host that game, I believe. Coach Tinker was on the show earlier and was just talking about his respect for both programs coming in. So I did get a note from Francis Howell this afternoon that they were down 15 players. Yes, due including to, 10 starters. Yeah, due to 
quarantine and COVID-related yeah. things. So I, I'm curious if Coach Brent Chinaki for, for Howell had anything to say about that coming in because I had talked to him on Tuesday, and his big thing was we're planning to play with everybody, but three days of contact tracing can do a lot of damage, and it sounds like that's part of what happened tonight. You know, and it's really – and and you're seeing it all over the place. I mean, you mentioned Fox. Well, Lindbergh had to forfeit, and that right. was a, a really strong Lindbergh team that I had the pleasure of watching a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, you saw it with St. Mary's uh, the, today, uh, and unfortunately, the Turkey Day game is now, um, you know, a casualty of all this. And France Hell is without the 15 players, including 10 starters. And Coach Shonaki talked about it after the game. He's, he was really proud of the resilience his guys showed tonight. And it was a next man up mentality. There were no excuses. But they walked off that field with their heads held high. They 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 played with the cement as, you know, as long as they could. You know, and who knows if they finish a drive or two in that first half, it might be a different story. But once the cement got up by more than one score. That also put Francis Howell in a in a position where they had to start passing the ball. They're really a, a running, you know, run centric team behind Dane Mormon, who rushed for 163 yards tonight and scored their only touchdown. And you know, it, it was just it, it was it's, it snowballed from there for him. But he was proud of how physical they were. He was proud of you know just how hard they played throughout the entire game and, and you know the lack. You know they didn't they didn't give up they didn't quit and uh, you know there there were a lot of positives even though they were on the uh, short end of the scoreboard tonight for Francis Howell. Alex Pipes is their quarterback. He's a guy who likes to run the ball too. So not having key pieces, especially if you know they were missing guys on the offensive line. I mean, taking on to Smith's front defensive group is is a challenge on the best day you'd mentioned makai wingo earlier he's a mizzou recruit uh dakota doyle he's uh, dakota doyle robinson excuse me he's a baylor recruit carter edwards has returned to the lineup after he had an emergency appendectomy the day of their season debut i believe roberts got dinged early in the game and um i don't know if it's serious or not. Um, I, I couldn't get any uh, c- confirmation on uh, you know after the game, uh, but that also kind of hindered the the Desmet defense a bit because it was just Mingo Wing, uh, Wingo up there, and even still getting double and triple teamed, uh, he really and you know Pipes is a great running quarterback, and if you if he gets going. Between him and Mormon, it's a one-two punch that very few teams, you know, good luck stopping. But, you know, Pipes saw a lot more of Mr. Wingo tonight than he wanted to. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hats off to to, to Wingo and, and the rest of that dismet front uh, for, you know, they, they lost a couple of different players, um, you know, that hobbled off the field. And, um, you know, I sounded like it was like a you know just precautionary kind of stuff just you know not pushing people when they had to and stuff like that but it was it was you know that proverbial next man up mentality on the other side too we talked about it with Francis Hall it was the same way with DeSmet and they talked about picking each other up and picking the you know your brother up and they did tonight so you're a guy who's seen DeSmet now you saw a uh, fox a time or two this season or three Just, or four <laughs> exactly because that I, I talked to coach Tinker about that they were one of the few teams that managed to cobble together a schedule despite losing games week after week because of the St. Louis County restrictions really decimated their conference slate it just it it just wasn't there, but they found a way to make it work. I'm curious if that'll have an effect. Like you said, DeSmet's played only five games. I think Fox is now 10-1, and one, with one being a forfeit, uh, the Lindbergh game this weekend. But from your seat in the press box, Joe, give us a quick thought or two about what we might see next week when these two teams play for the right to go to the state title game. Well, I, I do think that it's... it's it's going to be a very interesting matchup. 
you just look at these rosters, though, and I, I don't think that there's any question that just the pure talent edge goes to DeSmet. When you just mentioned, I don't know how many Division One players are on that roster, um, and and it's very evident that they have just there's some at elite least seven. Players. Yes, that are I seniors. Mean, I, There's more common that are juniors and sophomores. Sorry, go ahead. And and you know you mentioned Rico Barfield going going to Ball State. You know if anybody's ever taken a, a chance to watch Maction uh, football on Wednesday nights, uh, he's gonna he'll definitely make his mark there um, on ESPN one night, but or a few nights. But uh, um, you know you just look at that roster and you know the elite speed and strength and size, you know, DeSmet's got it all. I've seen Fox though, and you know, they are big, they are strong, you know, they are not afraid to mix it up in the trenches and that's their identity. And it's going to be an interesting match. Can the Fox offensive line handle that, that front seven of DeSmet? Um, because that's Fox's identity, that power running game, uh, you know, between their quarterback Inman and their two running backs who, you know, are really good. You know, they're all, the two running backs are big bruising runners, uh, that can not only, uh, do, you know, do damage in between the tackles, but if you get them on the wings, they got the speed to burn you there. Well, you, you mentioned the two, stuff. it's Maxi and, um, Oh, I just lost the other young fellow's name. Maxi and Waters are their two guys. Waters, but yes. but Jahad Thompson, I believe is the young man's name, had a huge game last week. So they, they, they've the got speed. some dudes. Yeah, and he's more the speed guy. And, you know, he's uh, – the, the Maxi and Waters are the seniors. I think Thompson's a junior, maybe even a sophomore. He's a, he's a younger guy. So I think he's kind of coming along, and he's starting to come into his own. So – you know they they've got talent. The question is, can they maximize the Dismet front seven? If the Dismet front seven plays its game and and disrupts Fox's running game, Fox is going to be in trouble. Fox has to control the clock. They have to you know dominate up front up with their offensive line and and keep moving the chains and stay ahead of the sticks. They can't have bad penalties. They can't have turnovers. If they do that, Dismet. You know, if you give DeSmet enough chances, they're going to burn you with their speed. We saw that tonight against Francis Howell. You know, Howell undermanned, you know, just they they gave, they laid it all in the field. They held them down for a first half, and then DeSmet got it going. So I think it's going to come down to Fox's offensive line against that DeSmet defensive front. And, you know, if Fox can play that proverbial keep away, uh, you know, the, the Warriors can hang in this thing and make it interesting. See, I would argue that Fox's defensive front has to handle DeSmet's offensive line, which has a, at least one D1 recruit in uh, Hudson Lillibridge who's committed to Tulane. I mean, you, you saw it that's up close great, and personal. That's a great point. That, yeah. that group plows their way ahead. Their running backs shed tacklers left and right. I mean, arm tackles will not bring any of those three dudes down, butts in particular. I mean, they're that the ball control and penalties are going to be huge. It's it, just it it's a huge be. part of every game, but uh, these two teams in particular. It will be, and I'm a big fan of Luke Pizzoni. You know, the standout linebacker of Fox. He's going to have to have a huge game against all these weapons of Dismet. And again, it, it's going to be the proverbial offensive defensive battle on both sides of the ball and it's big it's going to be big boy football and uh you know i'm i'm looking forward to that matchup that you know that should it should be one of the one of the good ones in the area wonderful well thank you joe harris so much for joining this show we appreciate it catch you next week thank you sir take care I'm now joined by Ben Vessa, who was out in St. Charles watching Lutheran St. Charles and Duchenne rematch in a Class 2, District 2 championship game. You might have seen the best game of the night, Ben. What was happening out there? Yeah, it, it was a great one. Uh, I tell you, it didn't, 
didn't look like it was going to be a, a very close one at first. So it, it started out, you could tell both teams were nervous to, to start out. Uh, Lutheran St. Charles fumbled on the first play of the game. And then, uh, uh, and then Duchenne got the ball and had three uh, pre-snap penalties to start oh. their drive. So it was, you know, it was a little ugly at first. But uh, Lutheran St. Charles got that ground game going. Uh, they scored on a 91-yard drive. Uh, 12 of the 13 plays were runs. Um, and uh, they, so they took a 7-0 lead on, uh, on an Aiden McLean uh, reverse 27-yard touchdown run made it 7-0. Uh, uh, they got the ball back, and uh, Aaron Coffey hit Arlen Harris Jr. on the sideline, kind of tried to thread the needle, got it in. The, the defender tried to pick it off. And uh, Harris caught it on the sideline and uh, took off down the sideline for a 78-yard touchdown. It was 13-0 Lutheran St. Charles. Uh, Duchenne could get nothing going offensively. And they, they needed a break, and uh, and they got it. Um, it was uh, Nathan DeGentz who, uh, who picked off a pass. He was a freshman on the team uh, that went 2-9 uh, two years ago and lost by 62 points to Lutheran St. Charles. And uh, he picked off the pass, took it down to the 11-yard line, and they ended up scoring uh, on a touchdown on a reverse um, uh, to Amorian Oliphant to make it 13-6 at halftime. And they really had nothing going offensively throughout the whole half, but they got that spark. And you could tell um, that that they they came out in the second half, um, got a really short kick, got a Got a, a quick field. Oliphant got a 29-yard run to start the on, on the first play, and then Teron Pete uh, completed his one and only pass of the day, um, uh, a touchdown pass to Jamond Mathis uh, to make it 13-13 from 18 yards out, and uh, and then Mathis came and blocked a punt after they got a three and out from Lutheran St. Charles. They blocked a punt and uh, got a short field goal out of that. And uh, Trevor Segudo kicks it. It gets tipped at the line and still has enough juice to just skim over the crossbar. Uh, so midway through the third quarter, it's 16-13 uh, Duchenne. And they are, you know, they were up actually in the, in, the, in the first game that you mentioned. They were up 13-7 going into the fourth quarter. Gave up 29 points in the fourth quarter to Lutheran St. Charles. So they said they weren't going to do it again. Their defensive coordinator just dialed up blitz after blitz. They started coming after. They ended up with 10 sacks for the game. Wow. And uh, they uh, they just put all kinds of pressure on, on Coffee. Uh, their defensive backs were really good. There was really no one to throw to. Uh, they, were, they were just stuck on man coverage, and he was bringing the house uh, uh, time after time. And um, the three straight sacks uh, on the last drive of the game. And uh, Duchenne. Ends up winning 16-13 over uh, Lutheran St. Charles. And, I mean, kicking a field goal in high school is, is is not a normal thing. We don't see a lot of teams that have a reliable kicker. It's an enormous weapon if you can use it, if you have someone who's capable. So for Deshen to take the lead and then win the district championship on a kick that was even partially blocked and have it scoot over the crossbar to count for the difference that's miraculous yeah yeah and he had uh he had missed an extra point uh earlier in the game and uh uh but yeah he he drove it pretty good and uh and yeah you see that a lot fourth down from in that territory where you'd wish that you could have a you could get three on the board but instead a lot a lot of teams have to have to end up going for it on fourth and six or something from the from the 15 yard line or the, or the 10 yard line and, uh, end up coming out with, uh, with nothing. But, uh, but yeah, uh, that, that second half, they just made enough plays. They only had 128 yards of total offense, uh, for the game, but they had, a, you know, they, they got short fields with that interception and with the blocked punt and, uh, and they converted it into points and the defense was really good. I mean, you know, that Lutheran St. Charles has a, a great rushing attack. Um, you know, they held Arlen Harris to, to, to 10 carries for 65 yards um, and held them under 300 total yards for the game. And, uh, and and the defense was, you know, came up with the big stops when they need to, when they needed to. 
I'm curious if, if you were able to talk to the Lutheran St. Charles folks at all about the, the lack of games they played. The, the, they had to take a COVID-related break at the end of September, missed three weeks there, came back and, and were very impressive in a 40-7 to win over a Class 6 Troy team. Being a Class 2 school, that is, that is a remarkable margin for, I know Troy isn't, the Troy of last year, where they were pretty competitive, they're kind of rebuilding, but still, forty to seven is a huge number for class two to class six. But then they had to take last week off too, um, and they had a bye the week before that. Uh, so two weeks ago they had a bye. Last week their opponent Cuba forfeited due to COVID. So they they've played one game in the span of. I think five or six weeks. I'm curious if they brought that up at all, if that was a part of what was going on with maybe some of those pregame jitters or just not quite being as sharp as they were earlier in the season. Like you said, they really had their way in the fourth quarter with that Duchenne team back in September. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't get a chance to catch up with them uh, much after the game, but they, uh, but the fourth quarter, yeah, you, you could tell that there there were some things that were off. You know, there were a lot of penalties. Uh, there were uh, just uh, throws uh, from their quarterback, Coffee, who I've seen play a couple times, who's usually really accurate. Uh, you know, it, 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 he missed a few open receivers that, that he would normally hit. Um, in, in terms of the, the offensive line, being able to pick up uh, – uh, blitzers. I mean, there were free blitzers coming a lot. Some of these little things that game, you know, playing in games kind of helps you uh, manage and, and getting to see certain things and, and understanding how to slide protection and things like that. I, I think it was just, uh, I, I think that did have a lot to do with it, just their lack of, of actual game playing, um, which is a shame because they certainly have uh, a lot of athletes, you know, uh, Gabriel Rubio, on the defensive line uh, was was really strong tonight. Um, so he and, did uh, play. He did. He did because he had missed yeah. he he had missed a lot of time earlier in this year. I'm glad to hear he was able to suit up and help his team. He's uh, verbally committed to Notre Dame and right. uh, a top five in the Super Thirty here this preseason. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was uh, you know he got nicked up a little bit in the first quarter and kind of. Uh, uh, sat on the ground for a minute, went to the sideline, but he came back out. Uh, there was one play that was, uh, they ran a, uh, Deshen ran a jet sweep and they had their guy coming in motion and they snapped it and they handed it to him and the guy was flying and Rubio, uh, from his end position, just, you just, his right hand just grabs him like from the front of the shirt and spins him around. Like that guy was flying to the store, the sideline and Rubio just grabbed him, stopped him, uh, cold and and threw him to the ground with one hand uh so there were some there were some plays a fourth and one they tried to run a quarterback sneak and rubio uh, uh just blew that up um as well so uh he made an impact certainly uh, on the defensive line uh as you know some other players their defense i thought played pretty well uh as a whole in terms of giving up yardage uh they just couldn't keep them out of the end zone um when you know when the short field started to come Deshen must have been a pretty happy group coach charlie elmendorf's been out there a long time and they they had some lean years not too long ago some some really tough seasons they've been kind of building towards this and they have a very young core the quarterbacks a freshman the both of the running backs you mentioned are sophomores i think young uh the linebacker to to goons He's a junior, so I, I'm curious what Deshen was talking about after the game because as good as this feels, there's a high probability they can keep it going for the next year or two, if not longer. Yeah, they were they were excited for sure. You know, I was I was trying to do a couple interviews there, and like the the whole team wanted to come over and talk to me about uh, <laughs> gentlemen six feet six feet. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, everybody was they. You know, their quarterback, the freshman, came over. He still had his helmet on. You know, he was uh, – and, uh, uh, yeah, they were they were excited. Even that, that last drive, the the players on the bench uh, – the players on the sideline were all chanting defense, defense. It was as if they were in the in the crowd. You know, they were getting their defense. The, uh, there was just this youthful exuberance there. Uh, 
and and when they won, I mean that was a that was a celebration for sure. And it's you know they were two and nine two years ago, but a lot of those kids that made a big impact tonight weren't weren't there for that, you know. And and they're young, and they just this have this they have this feeling that uh, that they're going to win every game, and um, and and they went at halftime. They said and and. And after they got that score at the end of the half, they said that the next two quarters, we're going to win the next two quarters and we're going to win this game. Um, and uh, a pretty, pretty confident group uh, for a team who's kind of been where they've been, uh, you know, as recently as, as two years ago. Well said. Thank you, Ben. As always, we appreciate it. Catch you next week. Uh, you got it, Dave. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this Friday the 13th edition of the STLHighSchoolSports.com Friday Night Football Show. As always, you can check out our intrepid reporter's work at STLHighSchoolSports.com and in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Big thanks again to Jason Meehan, Brent Tinker, Joe Harris, Paul Kopsky, and Ben Vesa for joining the show. Until next week, be safe and catch you later. (laughs) 